It's time to get the inside scoop on the Utah Jazz. From the play-by-play voice of the Jazz, David Locke. Sweet revenge! Presented by Murdoch Auto Group. Ow! On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is JJ and Alex, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Alex Keery, Jeremiah Jensen, thanks for being with us on the program. Our show is always brought to you by G2G Bars. All natural ingredients, no preservatives. The G2G Bar, perfect for anybody who needs a quick, tasty, nutritious boost. Voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke, joining us on the program. A little bit, a little bit earlier than usual because there is a game today, and he is going to be calling that basketball game. Locke, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. I was a little bummed, no LeBron. I know. Yeah. Second time this year. Yeah. It's like clockwork, though. We were talking about it yesterday, and JJ, because he's a pessimist, goes, all right, Lakers come to town. It's the game before the All-Star weekend. Is LeBron going to be here? And we were like, oh, no. He has so many he has so many outs to be able to do. And re- and when you left us, I think, last week or maybe two weeks ago, you threw out that nugget before you went off the air. It's like, look, if guys miss games, the most missed cities of missed games for players are Utah and Denver. And that's a freaking bummer for us. Yes. I think it's something like 40% of NBA All-Star caliber missed games are in Utah. Oh. That's a heartbreaker. It's <laughs> for too many. Fans. Oh, it's too many, for sure. Well, but it is what it is. These players, uh, obviously, they go through quite quite a rigor during the season, and, and LeBron, especially, who's trying to take care of his body long term. So, I'll give him a pass because he's uh, he's old in basketball years. But Lakers come to town. Give us an idea of what this team before last week when we talked to you. It was Wednesday. It was right before the trade deadline. Post trade deadline, what are your thoughts now? I mean, I think what kind of the genius that Will Hardy's had with this team as a coach and staff has had is being able to reform the group a multiple of times, but it's, it's always taken a little bit. Like, it, obviously, super quickly last year, they were able to form a group, and then this year it took a little while, and then he was able to figure out the group, and, and now he's got to do the same thing because this one's different, right? Like, you know, you have different pieces, and they complement each other differently, and – and we're at different stage, you know, third, 28 games left. It's, it's kind of time for Keontae to start. Like, he's, you know, likelihood. Keontae George is your starting point guard next year on this basketball team. So he needs 28 games to do that. And, you know, Walker Kessler is probably the starting center moving forward on this basketball team. Or at least you need to know to what level he is. And so, you know, he needs to do that. And so I, I think when you see where this team is right now, these are – that's a lot of what's going on right now. And so it's a reformation of, of this team. And Will's done that very well. Just doesn't, it's not, not easy. Yeah. It can't be easy to, you know, you got, you, you got to get these young guys minutes, but it's at the expense of some of the veteran players. That's a delicate dance for a head coach. How does he manage that? Well, he hasn't in the sense that you had to earn your minutes. He doesn't believe in free minutes. Like yeah. that's a Will, Will has two things that drive him. You can't be numb to losing, and you don't get free minutes. But 
if you look at Keontae, on December 13th when he got hurt, went out of line, he ranked 99th out of 100 players in pick and roll efficiency. Since he came back December 26th, he ranked 17th. He's been good. Yeah. Like, it's time. Like, I was a little nervous in December 13th that we had put him in starting a lot too early, too fast, and, and it was heading in the wrong direction. And, you know, the analogy I always use is the over-dipped Oreo cookie. And I was concerned. But if you look at what he's done and dig into his numbers and how he's evolved and how he's learned, and, and maybe most impressively, Keontae went through a five-game stretch where he shot like 20. Go look at his basketball reference game log. He shot like 22% for like a five-game stretch. And his answer coming out was to shoot more and and to be more aggressive. Like, oh, I've seen what I need to see. Let's go. It's time for him, it's time for him to be guarded by D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry and those guys and to, and to have that experience the last 28 games of the season. I am really fascinated by just that puzzle that has to get figured out, you know, this time of year. And, as, you know, you're kind of mentioning, I mean, it's not like Will Hardy's going to have, you know, the automatic, like, oh, I know exactly what we're going to do if this person, this person leaves. It's like, hey, you take what you get, you get guys, and you tell them that they've got to earn their minutes. You tell them that, they're, that you want them to grow up, which is kind of essentially what you've gotten from Will Hardy, which is like, hey, I want these guys to, to be professionals. I want them to grow up. With Taylor Hendricks getting into the lineup, and you talked about this, it's like if he gets if he gets in now versus next October or this October, there's obviously a benefit to that. What is he going to add to this team ultimately? When he's getting 20 minutes a night, you might be nervous about how much losing that could happen, but I think that you should also be pretty excited about his development. So how has it been so far just after a couple of games? You know, I, I think it's been at times super rough, frankly. Yeah. Like, I think it's I think it's been at times brilliant, at times super rough. Like, I think that he um, he's shown some signs. Um, I think he's shown a flash or two, and at the same time, like Jordan Clarkson ran a curl on an off-ball screen on the right side of the floor, and. Taylor Hendricks mysteriously ran a curl without the basketball on the left side of the screen and brought his man right into Jordan Clarkson on the drive. And you were like, oh, you're 19. Oh, yeah, you've never done this before. <laughs> and, they're gonna, and you know, and, and like the, the Kevin Durant dunking on him and him blocking Kevin Durant are the, are the really, really big moments that um, I think, you know, uh, get the highlights. But they're not actually probably the important moments. The important moments are hard cuts, transition defense, understanding team defense, understanding offensive spacing. I mean, really boring stuff. But they're the stuff that make you a viable player in the NBA at that speed. And right now what's most important for Taylor probably is the time he's spending with Jazz assistant coach Chris Jones, who's just an absolute stud and marvel of a coach. And – watching film and saying like, well, wait, why did you run a curl when the ball didn't come to you on that play? What did, Oh, well, I thought the play calls us. Okay. Well, here's the, you know, or, well, I thought, Oh, okay. Well, you can't because you just brought your guy right into Jordan. Like that's not how spacing works. Like these are the things that are so awesome for him to now, it was important for him to play 30 minutes a night in the G league. It was important for him to play hard every night. It was important for him to understand that. I think he was there if we're perfectly honest, probably a week or two longer than he needed to be. Like, he got out of it. He got what he needed out of it. And now it's time for him to, like, have these experiences. And 
you know, it's important also for him to start having some flashes of success because I'll go back to another one. There's no free minutes. And it's, you know, if for 10 games, Taylor plays like he did for the first two, I don't know that he gets to play the 13th. At some point, that becomes three minutes, but I don't think that's what we'll see. I think we'll see Taylor look a little better at some of these things each and every night. Because of the current roster situation, it doesn't look likely that the Jazz will make the playoffs, even the play-in. And then you get into the conversation about the first-round pick. It's top 10 protected in 2024. If it's if they, if they finish better than 10th to the bottom in the league, then it conveys to the Thunder. We all know the situation with that pick. But I wanted to get your take on whether you think it's good to convey that pick this year or if the Jazz would be, it would be beneficial at this point for them to keep it. How do you stand on that? I get the concept that you're better off conveying it because then your, your books are clear. But actually, I think you're better off taking it because, well, two things. One is, Sure, you could lose it next year, and we'd like to be better, and then you do lose it next year. But on the other end, you also don't know, right? Like, you're one sprained ankle from one player. We don't need to get specific and jinx anyone from, you know, us suddenly being not very good last, next year, right? Like, it's not a – right? Like, we're, we're, we're not the deepest team in the world as of we're constructed right now so that if, you know, if certain players get hurt, at some point in time, we're, we're going to have a hard time winning games. Um, now, who knows what our roster will be a year from now. But I, I, I would be on the side of, like, I get the argument, like, clear our books. To the, I'd be on the side of, like, if I had my choice, I'll take the pick, and then hopefully I get way better and I give up the 22nd pick next year. Mm. But I also wouldn't mind, like, if something goes wrong next year, then I, oh, I get the pick again. And then I do think, unfortunately, there's a third year involved after that. So, it's a, you know, it's obviously a little tricky. David Lockboy, the Utah Jazz, joining us, uh, getting I, ready you know, for. Let me, add, let me yeah. add one thing on that. Let me hear. I, it. I really don't think the pick was dictating moves, and so I know enough. I got to be a little careful here. I know I have enough people I talked to in the league. I, I I know enough of what was floating out there in the league. And, what possibilities are there and what conversations with the Jazz were in. They were in plenty of conversations about improving the team as well. And I thought Justin Hannon was super honest when he said it was it's not a binary situation. We're not either trading for assets only. I mean, there were plenty of deals. I, I, I don't want to get into them. And none of those players ended up moving. Like, those players didn't move in, in the most recent days. So then they, those players weren't actually as available as media or other people may have seen. And so, therefore, it's like, you know, I mean, like, like of the players that moved, like, did we want Gordon Hayward? Like, was T.J. Washington? Mm. Like, we had T.J. Washington. Do you think we win any more games? No. <laughs> like, so, I mean, like, if we had an OG and an OB out of Toronto? Maybe pretty similar to Lowry. He's got like nice player. Good defense player. I like him. You know, I don't know that we could have Toronto wanted players, so they got RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. Like, I don't think we had that package. Right? We didn't have a top five pick in RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly was a rising point guard. Like we weren't trading Keontae George and like Lowry Marketing for 
OG Anobi. So we didn't have a package to match that. Like that's what makes it difficult. So I but I so the pick is interesting, but I, I really don't think the pick has dictated any moves from the knowledge I have from around the league, the Jazz are involved in a lot of conversations about players that would make them better. It just didn't happen. And it's not because they didn't want it to happen and they were trying to save the pick. It's because it takes two to tango. It takes the, the market's got to play out. The market didn't play out that way. It, you know, I mean, look at the five best players that were moved. They were Pascal Siakam, free agent at the end of the year. You're probably not giving up much. Still not sure how he fits. Indiana has been noticeably different. OG Ananobi. And then, like, who was the best player traded in the trade deadline stuff? Like, is it P.J. Washington? Terry Rozier? Like, at the actual actual deadline, you mean? Like, that's the thing. It's it's, it's hard. Those are all the guys that have been, I mean, other than James Harden. Like, hey, I said it when it happened. You want to make the freaking playoffs trade for James Harden? Yeah. And they look, and they look. Like, I don't want James Harden. You want to make the playoffs? Trade for James Harden. Mm. We would have made the playoffs if we traded for James Harden. I promise. He would have loved it here. Yeah, he would have loved it here, too. Uh, well, it's a short flight to Vegas. You got that SLC to St. George shuttle. It's going to Vegas now. We so get him well there as soon as possible, whatever yeah. he needed. Come on. Uh, Locke, when somebody says, and again, I'm not asking you to be a draft expert because you're an NBA expert. That, I don't want to add another thing to your plate. But when you hear somebody say, yeah, but this draft class is not very good, is there such a thing? Can, like, I, can I tell you a funny story? Yes. You know how I got the business? Yeah. In 1993, maybe now 92, probably, maybe 93, that's I wrote an NBA draft book mm. and advertised it in the sporting news wow. and sold copies of it. <laughs> that was the first thing I ever did in the business. Okay, so look, as a draft <laughs> expert. Uh... <laughs> yeah, someone found it the other day. Um, it's amazing. I don't believe in the classifications of good and bad drafts. What this draft does not seem to have is a top-heavy, top-heavy group. Doesn't have, doesn't have picture. But like, all we heard about. Let's just use some really recent examples. Okay, the greatest draft ever: Andrew Wiggins, Jabari Parker, Joel Embiid, Aaron Gordon, Dante Axum. Really? Yeah. No, not buying it. Or right? some, or like, somebody like, says, ah, the 2015 lottery class is terrible. Or the 2015 draft, and then you go, well, yeah, but uh, Giannis went in that draft. Uh, right. Giannis, Rudy, Giannis and Rudy went in that Giannis draft. Giannis and Rudy went in that same draft. But people say, yeah, but that was a bad draft class. Well, yeah, because you didn't know who Giannis was. Right. And, th- and that's, a, that's the part right. where we lean on Danny and go, he knows who the next fill-in-the-blank player is going to be that's in the draft, not me, not the guy who says that uh, there's not a star player coming out of North Carolina or out of Duke uh, you know, or out of Houston. So that, that's the part where I hear that and they go, yeah, it's a bad draft class. I'm like, well, then you probably have a bad GM if you can't get a, bad, if you can't get a good draft class. Like, here, here's the other one on this. At this point last year, what were we talking about? Yeah, the next Victor draft. Like Victor and Scoot. Yeah, Greatest that draft was it. ever. Victor and Scoot. Sure. Do, do, do we want to look at Scoot's numbers? Right, and at some point, uh it started to it started to shift, you know, then you start to see but I mean like we you're right, we hadn't we hadn't had so much energy around a around a draft that I could remember in a lot in a long, long time. Everybody loved last year's draft. Said it was totally incredible. But the deepest draft. Oh, I didn't like it. There were no guys who can shoot. Honestly, 
Like, I'm on and Altour Thompson are incredible athletes. They have an impact on the floor. If you can't shoot this league, you can't play. Yeah. Unless you're seven feet tall. And then it's still hard to play you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's, like, it's, ask Rudy Gobert in the playoffs. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, if I'm looking to, if I'm looking at the draft again, I mean, I the Jazz got one of the best players in the draft at 16. I think if you redrafted Keontae George as top five, maybe top three. Right. I mean, based well, on performance cool this year. But Kyleball Washington's been a surprisingly good shooter, which we didn't expect. Yeah. Therese Walker's made some shots for Indiana, but not played a lot. Like Jaime well, Hawkins has been great. Huh? Jaime Hawkins has been great. Didn't see that coming. Well, the interesting thing is all the old kids have been great. Yeah. I mean, Majemski, Marcus Semitzer, like one of the best pick and roll guards in the NBA, out of Houston, five-year player. The old kids have all been great. Now let's, let's see over time whether that holds. Yeah. It's not surprising. You know, these 19-year-olds out of COVID, I mean, this is a, there's still a COVID impact to some of this draft, some of the things. So I just, so the answer your question is, I think that, yes, it, Draft is not particularly top heavy, right? But is it a bad draft? Like I have a hard time believing that the 18th pick is still like got no. <laughs> like the 18th pick, like I don't know who the 18th pick was. It's probably Jalen Shapiro. Like. <laughs> I had it in front it of me. It looked like a very good pick right now for the Lakers. Right. I was thinking, like, I, was, I had a little what? moment. I had a little moment where I went down a rabbit Eight, hole. 18 in the last draft was, was Jaime Hawkins Jr. There you go. The but see, that I oh, went. But I, that turned out to be a really good pick. Yeah. I went but, down a weird, I went down a weird hole. Remember how everybody was obsessed with Grady Dick? Same thing where you go, oh, right. he's going to be. It, it doesn't fill in the blank, and he's going to develop. He could be a really good shooter at some point. But. You know, it's just uh, it, it's one of these things where you, we can't really say it's a bad draft until what five years down the line. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe right, three. Right. But let, let, let's say Jamie Hockey Hock Jr. That's a great example. Okay, for those who don't know, he's starting for Miami. He's probably the third best rookie ahead of Keontae, frankly. Yeah. In the Brandon Miller and Victor Webinyama, he's a he's a great one to talk about. You're really telling me that there's not a Jaime Hawkins available in this upcoming draft? The draft's so bad. This is not a Jaime Hawkins. There's actually not a thing special about Jaime Hawkins coming out of the draft in anyone's mind. You're telling me that guy's not available somewhere? He's not playing for Kansas, UCLA, USC, Oklahoma, Kansas State. He's not out there somewhere? Yeah, Danny will find him. Don't you feel like Danny will find those guys too? He sees more guys. Him and him and well, with, Justin with basically more people three than... chances in the top, what, 32 or 33, they're going to hit somebody. Yeah. Well, it's pretty wild. Uh, Locke, your thoughts on tonight's game, though. Let's go right to tonight's game real quick before we get before you, we uh, we let you c- two, cut you loose here. Two, two things to watch for in tonight's game. One, the amount of transition opportunities the Jazz allow. They allow the most transition opportunities of anyone in the league at 20%. The Lakers won second most of any team in the NBA, and that's both with and without LeBron. They run about the same rate. Number two. How does Anthony Davis get his baskets? No one talks enough about this in the NBA. And that is, how do you score 25 a night? The way Anthony Davis scores 25 a night is he usually hits about six or seven free throws. Then he gets about two offensive rebound footbacks. We're now at 10. He gets two transition baskets. We're now at 14. And then he scores another four or five buckets a night around the rim, around the basket, the natural flow of the game, and now he's at 24 points. Can you keep him off the offensive glass? And can you keep him out of transition? Then you've got a chance. That's what the Jazz did last time. He did not get 
bunch of stuff off offensive rebounds. He did not get stuff. He's not a good jump shooter. He shoots about 36% on jump shots. He was 5 of 21, I think, against us last time. He was 1 of maybe 5 of 18. He was 1 of 8 outside 6 feet. If you can keep Anthony Davis in that realm of the game, you have a chance. But when Anthony Davis starts getting three offensive rebound putbacks and eight free throws and three transition buckets, all of a sudden he's got 20 before he gets a half-court point. I'll be watching. Now, now I know. Now I know something to watch tonight because initially it was just watch to see if LeBron's going to be playing or not. But now here we are. I, JJ at the beginning of the week was very aggressive about how hey the Jazz. I bet they come out fired up from Phoenix. They had an okay game against the Suns. A really good Suns team, by the way. Like a scary a, a team that into the Suns that could be really scary at some point. But um, we thought they'd probably show up on Monday and have some things uh, ready to go. But that. The Warriors, who are coming back again tomorrow night, are are another team that are on on fire right now in the West, and so it's a, another couple of games here that are gut checks, and at the very least, uh, probably uh, really good temperature takers for uh, for Will Hardy and company. So we're looking forward to it. Lock- I think we're going to look we'll look remarkably better in our first six games after the All Star break than we do in our last four games before the All Star break, and it'll have nothing to do with us. Okay, all right. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Looking at the schedule us. after the All Star break right Oof. now, and you are absolutely right, <laughs> Locke. We appreciate it, man. Have a good, have a good uh, have a good call, and uh, wish your uh, Valentine Ron Boone uh, a happy Valentine's Day. Boone are the but best. I, I did, you know, I forgot I forgot to bring Ron Boone a Valentine. Oh, uh. that's who you're on a date with tonight. Every it feels like every every February 14th, you guys are together calling a game. So. Quite honestly, considering the amount of time I spent with Ron Boone, considering the last time I saw my wife, he should be my Valentine. I know. But that's a different issue. There you go. All right. Locke, we appreciate it, man. We'll be listening. There you go. David Locke. I get I, Every time I, I get a more optimistic view of, as to how the Jazz are, are doing here and what they're doing. What I never what I never falter in is my belief that Will Hardy is really going to be able to figure these guys out. It just isn't right now, right? And it doesn't need to be. It doesn't have to be right now, right? It doesn't need to be. Uh, there's challenges that he's being tossed that a lot of coaches don't have to deal with, and the Jazz knew that going in. That's why he has a five-year deal. And I continue to be impressed with the way Will Hardy manages all the things thrown his way. And as a young head coach who has job security, it gives him an opportunity to experience a lot of things quickly and accelerate his development as a head coach. Because this isn't just about developing young talent or developing a roster or culture. You have a head coach that's developing. You have assistant coaches that are developing. This whole thing is a development project. And so, yes, I, I think I, I'm amazed at what Will Hardy's been able to handle that's tossed his way. He's not getting everything right, and that's okay. He would He would be willing to admit that. And it's good because he's going to learn from it. And by the time this team does have the horses to go compete – he'll be a seasoned veteran head coach because of all the things he's had to deal with over the last two years. And counting. All right. I've got myself a... I got my positive hat on. I got my... uh, Yeah, we look. I mean, we all know the situation. So, I mean, does anyone not know the situation yet? I mean, Locks, come on and explain it to us. We talk about it. This is a long-term deal. Sometimes I wonder if you do. You gave me 3-0 hopes last week. And well, now I you're thought, all, nah, 0 3. I thought <laughs> I am an idiot. It moved to 0 3 today. Look, I didn't say they were going to go 3 0. I said they need to go 3 0. There's a big difference. I think the word gunna you're was in there. You're misrepresenting my. Uh, hold on. 
I think the word gonna. Like you keep was telling all our guests, these jazz guests comes on that I'm <laughs> like I thought the Jazz were gonna go on this incredible run after the trade deadline. JJ thought they were gonna be the four seed That's by the not end what of the I said. <laughs> there goes the Brian Regan boys. I didn't say uh, that. I said they need on. to go 3 and 0 if they want to make the play in because they're mm-hmm. playing two teams they're battling with for a play in spot, but I think it's pretty clear at this point that the play in's not the not the goal at this mm-hmm. point and I think that's why I asked David Locke about the pick. Do you want to keep that pick now because right now I'm looking at it as like we've been talking all year. Oh, that's great. They're going to go they're going to go to play in, maybe they sneak in as the 8 and they're going to convey that pick and they don't have to worry about it anymore. Now with the trade deadline deals and with what they did with with where they're at right now, I'm like don't give that pick away. Keep it. Analytics. <laughs> the analytics tell us to keep the pick. The analytics. In a wide open draft. Don't lie. You could have two first round and an early second round pick in a draft where a lot of teams might want to get out of the first round because they have cap problems. Or they believe that this is, quote unquote, and a bad draft. If you identify that player, like Miami did, Jaime Hawkes Jr., give Miami credit. They had one shot and they nailed it last year. If you identify that player, then you have the ability to go get him, and that's a player that helps you long term. Don't convey the pick at this point. Keep it, which means you got to lose, and that's baked in. You're going to give minutes to the to a 19 year old rookie. The loss deals are probably baked in. That's what you put on. You one don't of have those, to uh... try to lose, but. You're not going to be as good as the teams you're playing. That's what you put Although on. Locke says the schedule's going to, I mean, the oh, yeah. post-All-Star. going to loosen up a little bit, yeah. Can't wait to play Charlotte coming out of the All-Star Woo. break. That's a team trying to win. What a mess. So, look, would you rather be the Utah Jazz in their current situation or, or the, the Charlotte Hornets? Hornets, who have no hope? <laughs> you're, you'll gladly take the Jazz situation right now, but with, the, with taking the Jazz situation requires patience. Toughness, <laughs> sacrifice, and, and passion. And patience. And, and, and occasional uh, masterpieces of you know what you got to do it too. <laughs> Please no, I don't want a fifty point loss. That was a masterpiece team. of dog. Remember how we we're like they turned around and they will never turn back. We may see some of those games. All right, uh, that's what you put on a Valentine, by the way. Will you convey my pick? <laughs> Things I convey on- my love to you. <laughs> That's that's it conveys not a romantic word. Is I hate it? it. I hate it. It's not. It's it's about as romantic as analytics. When you conveyed, when you conveyed my pick, I knew that we were supposed to be together. Right? Strategery. <laughs> that's what we're using. All right. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a break. Appreciate Locke coming on, giving us uh, some thoughts as to how this thing's gonna roll out. Uh, coming up, we've got some things to still roll through here. I've got now. This one I'm excited for. We might have to spend some extra extra time on this one. Brett McMurphy, he came on our show yesterday, and what did he tell us? He released his first playoff. He was going to release his first playoff bracket. He gave us a tease before everybody else got it today on the Action Network. He gave it to us. He said, hey, listen, I'm going to give you the first playoff bracket. It may or may not include the University of Utah, plus other bowl matchups, or in BYU's case, Non-matchups. Uh-oh. Little tease there. Uh-oh. We've got more to go around the corner. I didn't say that. I'm saying Brett Murphy. Brett McMurphy said that. Oh, oh, that feels weird. Oh, <laughs> we'll come back. We got more. 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. Your home for the best coverage of the Jazz, Utes, and Cougars is right here on the Zone. This is JJ and Alex, presented by G2G Bars on 97.5. The KSL Sports Zone. 
in my bold projections tomorrow, spoiler alert, the Big 12 champ, I have them ranked, excuse me, seeded fourth in my college football playoff bowl projections. And that Big 12 champ that I have seeded fourth is none other than your Utah Utes. I loved Arizona, but, they, you know, you lose dead fish, they're going to lose some players. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that was Brett McMurphy not 24 hours ago. Boy, he really loved that. It's none, of, it's none other than your... And then he was like this, on the other side of the phone line. Like doing the drum roll with the his hands. The only thing he was missing was a drum roll. Yeah. Uh, so he said it. He's going to come out with his projections today. He, in fact, did. Brett McMurphy of the Action Network came on our show last... Uh, yeah, yesterday. So if you want to go back and listen to that interview, he actually did a phenomenal job breaking down... Kind of everything going on with the world of he he lives in a in college football he's got it under his thumb but he also like bowls and projections for Brett McMurphy he's very very good at that oh very good yeah, he's made a living out of it phenomenal he has his first bowl projections and it's not way too early it's it, what did he call it the never too early he called it the never too early it's never too early he's right bowl projections all right so let me give you your first twelve team college football playoff. Through the eyes of Brett McMurphy, he studies this for a living. Here's your first round on one side of the uh, bracket over here. You're, now, these are the games that are non-bye weeks, right? They're the first rounds. They're played at, uh, at, the, at the higher seeds home. And the 5 through 12 yes. uh, teams playing each other. Which I love. Yes. It has that. March Madness feel of like five, the 5-12 upset. Oh, yeah. The 5-12 game is going to be played at Royal K Stadium in Austin, Texas for the Longhorns versus the 12th-seeded Boise State Broncos. Oh, Utah State fans don't want to hear that. <laughs> On the same side of the bracket. You the Aggies will do everything they can to prevent that from happening. And you know what? We wish them we, Godspeed. We wish them Godspeed. 8-9 <laughs> matchup on that same side of the bracket. On the same side of the bracket. <laughs> How about this? Penn State, the number nine seed, will have to travel to Columbia, Missouri <laughs> for the big old matchup against the eighth seeded Mizzou Tigers. I wonder if Missouri is going to be able to repeat what they did last yeah, year. Yeah, that's something their program struggled to do. Uh, Chase Daniels did something very similar, right? And last year they had a magical season as well. Yeah, they've had moments. But on the other side, consistently no. No. On the other side of the bracket, the 11th seeded Michigan Wolverines, how the mighty have fallen, taking on the number six Oregon Ducks. Do Michigan and Oregon play each other in the regular season next year? No, Michigan and Washington do. I don't know that Michigan and Oregon do. Well, that's a, that's a fantastic matchup, by the way. And it's crazy Michigan, that Michigan and Oregon are now in the same conference. Right. And Michigan. I can't wrap my brain around the fact that Michigan and Oregon are in the same conference. Michigan would have to travel to the sixth-seeded Oregon Ducks. Imagine a Michigan-Oregon game in the first round of the college football playoff at Autzen, at Autzen Stadium. They don't play each other? Perfect. Michigan traveling to Autzen Stadium for that 11 versus Love 6 it. seed. I'm watching that. Alabama, according to Brett McMurphy, is going to be your 10 seed. What? Roll down tide. Oh, they don't. Oh, I'm just getting this note. Nick Saban's no longer the head coach of uh, Alabama. JJ? What? What do you think I care? (laughs) Some stuff has changed since the end of the year. Yeah, is Kalen DeBoer going to... That's a big mystery. 
Jalen Milrow is back. He's got the quarterback. Hey, He's returning. But Alabama should have lost to Auburn, so I don't know what to think. Yeah. Alabama, number 10 seed in this bracket versus, boy, and this is just a fun one, heading to South Bend, Indiana for the Notre Dame-Alabama matchup in the first round. The first round of the college football playoff. This is why this new college football playoff format is amazing. It's awesome. You're going to have Alabama at South Bend. Going to Notre Dame. Think about that. Who's not watching this? This is so much better than anything we've had in college football previously. This is going to be Amazing. Now, we're trying to figure out how they're going to do the semifinal games. The semifinal games are bowl games, and they are as follows. The 4-5 game, which would be fifth-seeded Texas in the Fiesta Bowl against the home team fourth-seeded Utah Utes. There you go. They got the wow. fourth seed as the Big 12 champions. That's where he's got them at. We had people on Twitter saying I was an idiot because that's impossible. There's no way they would be... There's no way. What do you mean? Oh, that Utah just could ever be the, a four seed. The four seed. Well, if the, as Brett McMurphy explained yesterday, the way it's going to work. Noted Utah homer Brett McMurphy, you should say. Right. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> and by the way, what it says. the win, conference championship winners are being rewarded in this playoff situation. So the top four rated conference winners will be selected first and auto. then they're auto in they're auto in in the top four and then everybody else is selected after that so utah would be hosting texas but at the fiesta bowl the home team would technically be uh so utah. yeah that would be taking place in uh, glendale awesome right yeah uh, you yeah. you fans travel by the way down to glendale well so do texas fans that would That's be what I'm saying. burnt orange unbelievable and burnt orange and crimson red sign me up i'll take it the eighth-seeded Missouri Tigers in the Sugar Bowl taking on the Georgia Bulldogs, who are the number one seed, according to Brett McMurphy, on that side of the of the bracket. On the other side, the other semifinal, sixth-ranked Oregon versus number three-ranked Florida State. Did he just give Florida State like a little uh, little nod, make him feel bone. better? Yeah, trying to, trying to smooth things over after last year. I mean, no, they may they may earn it. We'll there see. There you go, Oregon. They're the best ACC team. There's no question. Hold Maybe on, Clemson sneaks in there, but they're playing. So it would be Oregon and the third seeded Florida State Seminoles in the Peach Bowl. Didn't Florida State play Georgia in the Peach Bowl? How'd they that did. go? Nah, not great, Bob. Well, <laughs> but I will say this month this it'll probably be a lot different uh, Florida State team in that Peach Bowl. Uh, then Notre Dame, he has beating Alabama. By the way, he has guesses on who's going to beat whom. That's why this is great. Notre Dame. Coming out of that matchup with Alabama, playing Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Phenomenal. Rematch of last year's thriller. Am I wrong? This is phenomenal? I'm watching every one of these games. Okay. The granddaddy. Yeah, man. It's it's alive and well. Now, sorry, those were the quarterfinals. The semifinal matchups also have their own bowl games assigned to them. Oregon, who he has beating Florida State. Sorry, Seminoles. He has playing the Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl at Jerry World. Now, here's the part where you're going to get grumpy, Utah fans. He has number five Texas beating Utah in the Fiesta Bowl. You stink, and I don't like you! Settle down. It's Brett McMurphy. Hey, just at him on Twitter, would you? Number one, Georgia facing off against Texas in the Orange Bowl. And then he has the final matchup of the national championship game played in Atlanta, Georgia. 
the Georgia Bulldogs versus the the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs versus the number two Ohio State Buckeyes. So after all that hullabaloo, same old, same old. One versus two. Yeah. But interesting observation I'll make before you get to BYU. Okay. Nine of the 12 teams in the college football playoff are from the Big Ten and SEC. How many? Nine out the of 12? The rich get richer. Nine out of 12. Wow. Boise State, Utah, Florida State are the only non- Oh, and okay. So into, I, I threw them in there. I lumped them in there. So eight of the twelve. Eight of the twelve. But Notre Dame. I mean, we all know what Notre Dame sort of feel like they. Notre are. Dame's like you know, you get what I mean. They're a closet power too. I mean, come on. So eight of the twelve, and the one of the three, one of the four, not is Notre Dame. So right. okay. Uh, by the way, BYU on the bowl projections for Brett McMurphy and his bowl projections. No bowl projected for the Cougars, according to Brett McMurphy. Of the Action Network, hit him up on Twitter. Don't don't add us on that. And then uh, Utah State playing in the Arizona Bowl. Who are they playing in the Arizona Bowl? I can't remember. What was the? Uh, gosh, I just want to be Bowling Green, and the Aggies would be favored. In hey, is the Pop Tarts Bowl now a Big Twelve affiliate? I think it is. Kansas is playing Louisville according to his projections. Listen. BYU in a Pop Tart Bowl I want would be the, a dream. I want the freaking Pop Tart Bowl. I so want to bad. cover a Pop Tart Bowl. Hey, hey, Nate, our boss, if you're listening, probably got to send the whole show out to the Pop Tart Bowl. It's an edible. It's an edible uh, arrangement. What is it called? It's an edible. Yeah. Mascot. That's what it is. Yes, it is. They put. They murdered him on stage and put him through the toaster. It was. It was graphic. <laughs> All right. There you go. We'll come back. We've got more to go around the corner. Stay with us. 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. Accessing. When TV and radio collide. Love it. This is what you get. You're listening to JJ and Alex. Presented by G2G Bars. Don't touch that dial. On 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the program, everybody. Alex Curie, Jeremiah Jensen. Together we are JJ and Alex every afternoon right here on the KSL Sports Zone. You can download the podcast wherever podcasts are found. You can also download any of the shows across the entire station all day long. Don't we have tickets to give away today? Oh, it's the Bill Burr day. I heard Bill Burr on the on, on Hanson Scotty today. I'm jealous. They got to talk to Bill Burr. I would have been really nervous if I were Lloyd. Oh, he told me he was. <laughs> I would have. I would have seen that. His That's hand, one you tape, right? <laughs> his hey, hand. Bill, can we tape the interview? His hands hovering over that dump button. Hovering over the dump button. How great was Bill Burr, though? I know, just the best. That's when, see. That's old school radio too. When like you get a you get somebody coming into town and they promote their thing. Yeah, they'd always come on the they radio. Just, they go. They do a whole. They do. They do the rounds, man. It's awesome. All right. Uh, on a serious note, we do have an update on, we told you at the beginning of the show, at the Chiefs Super Bowl parade, there was a shooting today that has left one dead. Uh, we also have an update to the numbers on critical condition, immediate life-threatening condition. JJ, what do we know uh, that's been, I guess, we have some added on uh, information as to what's going on in the shooting there in Kansas City today. They continue to investigate the situation. There's some information we have available, not everything that we want to know right now, but this is what we do know. 
at this moment that there was a shooting at the uh, Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. There is one dead. Uh, there are three in critical critical condition. Eight were in immediate life-threatening situations at the scene. 22 were injured, either by gunshots or uh, other means. 11 of those that are injured are children, and nine people have gunshot wounds. Yeah. Uh, three so the, people have been taken into custody as well. Yeah. They were involved in the shooting. Uh, the, the, I guess if you want to look for a, a fortunate thing in this is there were a lot of law enforcement uh, working the parade that were there at the moment the shots were fired. Uh, they rushed to the scene immediately and quickly. Those that were involved in the shooting were apprehended. Um, now three in custody, by the way, right? Yes. The number is now three. It was at two. It's now up to three. Uh, there were some players that were still on stage when the shooting took place. Mm. So the parade was still technically in progress at the time. So they are still obviously working through this. A terrible situation. Horrible situation. And uh, tired of having to deal with this Yeah, it's, an, it's, a, it's over a really... and over and over again it's uh, just, with no solution one. in sight. Yep. Uh, and again, what city is going to want to have a parade after this? I... I what, why why have events if you run the risk of these things happening in public? Why large would, why large would, events. Right. Why you, would players want to go to these? Uh, yeah. No it's, way. That's sad that we're having that conversation. Hopefully that's not the case and we'll continue to celebrate and continue to uh, live as we always do. But it's tough when these things happen. You're just always thinking in the back of the mind what, what terrible thing could happen at this event. Yeah. We've reached that point. Yeah. Let's take a break. We will come back uh, around the corner. Kicking off the uh, top of the hour, we're going to have Brian Roth from Heat Check CBB talking some college basketball. Boy, the state of Utah has produced uh, some pretty tough teams this year and uh, overperforming, I think, what a lot of folks had coming out of Utah, BYU, especially Utah State. Man, Danny Sprinkle, year one, awesome. Uh, we'll talk about all that and much more coming up with uh, Brian Roth of HeatCheckCBB.com. We will come back more to go, 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone.